Welcome to the Breakthrough Advisor Podcast. In this podcast, we inspire advisors with ideas and pathways to break through barriers and build a thriving retirement income business. We will interview innovative technology developers, business leaders, and successful advisors, then help you organize and execute these ideas to move your business forward. Hello, folks. Welcome to InsureMark's Breakthrough Advisor podcast, where we take time to dive into what's happening in our financial services business that would be of value to our financial advisors and helping them take their practice to the next level. Today, we've got Don Quante, who is the million-dollar advisor, kind of a legend in our business. Uh, he spent 30 years building a, a, his million-dollar advisory practice, and he, he's going to talk today about a lot of subjects. One of the things we want to talk about is long term care, which is close to his heart now and part of his business value proposition. But before we dive into that, Don, we were talking before we started recording. You're kind of a hockey fan, aren't you? <laughs> Go Blues, huh? How about those St. Louis Blues, Jack? How about those St. Louis Blues? Exactly. Exactly. So why hockey? I mean, you're in the middle of America in St. Louis. How did that happen? Yeah. So crazy story. But uh, my son, uh, uh, Ryan, who's uh, on our sales desk and uh Potentially, some of the advisors who are listening to your podcast have worked with Ryan when he was, I guess, seven or eight years old. His older sister, our oldest daughter, Jessica, was a high school hockey cheerleader. And we took him to the first game and he said on the ride home, Mom, Dad, I think I want to be a hockey goalie. And we said, well, that's great because you're too skinny to play any other position. We need to pass, you know. <laughs> so from seven till I guess he was 18 years old. He played his last hockey game in high school. They won the state championship. And uh, my wife said, what are we going to do now for friends? And we just kind of laughed because hockey was what we had done for the last 10 years uh, at that point in our lives. So uh, so we followed, of course, college hockey and then the NHL. And we're just happy that our, our Blues have made it one more game. We're getting close to hopefully being able to go to another Stanley Cup. Awesome. You you may have worked for someone in in your past, but but really you're an entrepreneur at heart, and so you started your practice. Tell us a little bit about how that got off the ground, how it got to prominence. I I know you've been a multi-time top of the table MDRT award winner. So tell us a little bit about that progression. Yes. Yeah, so uh, 1983, I was hired by a little company by the name of MetLife. I think they were hiring pretty much everybody there. I was 21 years old and, uh, you know, boy, did I, I failed forward uh, for uh, the better part of five years until I realized that the uh, riches were in the niches and that dealing with the general public on the ideals of everything didn't make as much sense as leading with something that was important to them. And that from there, once you built relationships, you could then help them with everything else. So at that time, it was young families who cared uh, about having uh, some protection for uh, their mortgage. So we were selling mortgage insurance. And then from there, you just grew with the clients. But I recognized that, I guess I was in my early 30s, my grandmother, who was diagnosed with front temporal lobe dementia, lived seven years, seven months, ultimately died broken a nursing home. But that was a real problem in that as the country began to, you, know, you started hearing about baby boomers and how 
there were going to be 10,000 of them turning 65 each and every day. And we said, wait a second, maybe we had to jump on this because we've got a personal experience, a story to tell. And that sort of changed everything. So when you say you made MDRT top of the table, I am a lifetime member. I, I made enough business to do that 20 years in a row, Jack. Actually, I've got a chance to speak to the top of the table. Uh, a lot of those guys are my friends, the Forum 400. And it was always with this idea that just because you lead with something and you're perceived in the marketplace as an expert on that doesn't mean you can't do the other things. So while we led with uh, long-term care, a message about that in the marketplace, we did our fair share of assets under management. We did a lot of gross dealer concessions for those broker dealer folks that might be listening. Um, and quite frankly, we wrote a lot of life insurance and fixed and indexed annuities because we were casting a message about long-term care. What we found was that wealthy people are the ones who care about protecting assets. People that are poor don't care about that message, but the people who have money will pick up the phone, they'll call you because nobody else is talking about it. So, you know, it's not like it's a big revelation or whatever, but that's what we used and we used it successfully. And quite frankly, advisors that have followed sort of our formula are getting very similar results. Well, that's a great story. That brings you to the more recent past. A little while ago, you transitioned from being your own shop, if you will. Now you're under the umbrella of Simplicity Group. So what's that about? Tell us a little bit about how that works. Yes. So I was the sixth acquisition of Simplicity Group, an amazing organization headed out of Summit, New Jersey. And uh, since then, they've acquired another 30 or so uh IMOs, and MGAs, BGAs across the, the country. They have embraced this idea that families, as they move forward, particularly in the retirement years, will need to at least consider protecting their assets against the risk of long-term care. It's been a great partnership, great marriage. They've been great to work with. And all of the, what we call sister companies, the, the partners of those companies have been fabulous to work with as well. Do you find that today maybe you're doing more consulting with advisors than you were in the past, or is, is that something that, that you've always done? Uh, I had some success as a advisor for you know the better part of 20 years. 10 or 12 years ago, the insurance marketing organization that I was doing my business through came up for sale, and I was their largest producer. I was doing somewhere in the neighborhood of about 40 million a year uh, between uh, the annuities and uh, single premium uh, asset-based long-term care, life insurance, et cetera. And they said, look, Don, why don't you buy our company? And I knew nothing about working with advisors. I had always been an advisor and I had a lot of friends who were advisors, but I never distributed products or, or really coached or taught. And I thought, you know what, this might be a nice way to spice things up a bit. So I bought it and quickly recognized that there was nobody out there at that time, and still isn't other than us, that focused exclusively on the messaging of long-term care. So our message now, Jack, as uh, Simplicity Asset-Based LTC goes, is if you're an advisor out there and you work with InsureMark, as an example, we can help you you know, figure out the most tax efficient, cost effective way for your client to solve that long term care problem. We do it under one roof. We have uh, 
you know, a total of seven people. It's all we do. There's been over 13,000 transactions we've been involved with helping advisors get the right outcome for their clients. So I would say 100% of our efforts right now are focused on consulting and, and doing strategy calls with advisors who, uh, you know, who are um, interested in helping their clients in that way. So that gives you kind of an interesting point of view with respect to, you know, the breakthrough advisor concept. Okay. So what is it that you see advisors who have broken through are doing differently than advisors maybe who haven't? As a more global answer, advisors who have broke through do things that advisors who don't break through aren't willing to do. I'll give you an example. Breakthrough advisors, in my opinion, I would think of myself as one of those guys uh, or gals, they do things, spend a fair amount of time always improving their skills. They spend money on education. They do things like write books. They become subject matter uh, experts. In my case, it happened to be long-term care. In other advisors' cases, it might be what they're the best at. So I think the break the breakthrough advisors are willing to do the things that most advisors aren't willing to do. I mean, it is not easy. It's hard work. We were putting in 10 to 12 hour uh, days, but boy, the rewards are great. You can generate a couple million dollars of revenue and do that 20 years in a row. So I think if I were listening to this and I, I and I was on the edge, I would say, to most advisors, if you're at that point, and I'll just use numbers because that's the easiest way to do it, and you're generating a half a million of gross dealer concessions in, or insurance commissions, and you want to go to a million, believe it or not, it's not a significant change. It's just slight adjustments. There's this concept that small hinges swing big doors. So it's the small changes that they make. You know, one of the things that I would encourage people to do that are listening is to consider like on the long-term care, if you wanted to move your revenue by half a million dollars this year, the easiest way to do it would be to use a survey uh, and survey your existing clients about the topic of long-term care. Now there's an art to it. And Jack, you guys at InsureMark have nailed that. But at the end of the day, you can get your clients to raise their hand about this topic. You know, and I know you're asking the breakthrough question in a more global sense, but if I were going to break through and I wanted to generate another half a million of revenue in the next 12 months, I would survey my clients about the topic of long-term care. I'd use the process that you guys at InsureMark have in place. And believe it or not, people will raise their hands. The top advisors do things other advisors aren't willing to do. And then they always have a slight competitive edge, like this survey thing makes all the difference in the world. I mean, if I can deploy a survey today and within a couple of weeks have 10, 12, 15 of my existing clients who already know me, like me, trust me, to sit down with and have a conversation, you're going to walk away with you know, several hundred thousand minimum of, of additional revenue. So those are really great points. Let me, let me make sure I get this right. So I think there are three things that that you just articulated that advisors should embrace if they want to take their practice to the next level. The first is that they need to become subject matter experts. And so that they need to commit to the education to improve their skills in lots of areas, 
But if there's an area where they have a passion or an experience, life experience, or a, a client base that has a strong interest, then they, they need to become subject matter experts in that, right? The second thing I heard you say is that then you need to turn that into your value proposition. You need to become the local expert. Communicate that to your audience, small and large, that you're the guy who can help them solve problem X. And the third thing I heard you say that was super interesting was ask your clients how they feel about the subject. And so we've been big proponents of of building a more robust client experience. And where that starts is you got to understand your client. You've got to be able to personalize your experience for that client. And the only way to do that is to ask them questions, to be interactive with them. And very few advisors have a discipline around doing that. Those were three powerful suggestions. Is there anything you wanted to add to those? Yeah, no, I think it's kind of funny that you bring up the ideal of you got to ask them the question. That's what the 2022 LTC survey was all about. And what we learned is as we went through, and this is now, good Lord, I don't know how many agents you guys have have done it, but it's a bunch. In the hundreds, 89.9% of the people want to ask, where do you want to receive your care if you get sick? Believe it or not, Jack said, at home. That's telling. So if you ask your clients and, you know, again, because acid-based long-term care guy, that's where my, you know, sort of my focus lies. But when if you ask them that question and you learn that, then guess what that means? That means that now you know uh, about a third of the story. You know that when you sit down with that client to have a conversation, you're not talking about nursing homes anymore. You're not talking about assisted living. You're saying, hey, look, if there was a way we could, you know, rearrange some of your assets and you'd never have to worry about paying for home care at the point you need it, would that make sense? It's, it's just telling. And a, and a survey type process does that. Now, the other thing I would say about breakthrough agents is they're innovative. That was the last thing I probably should have said. We were talking to one of the InsureMark advisors, Jack, the other day, and he said, hey, Don, look, that survey that we were working on, it worked great. But We only got about a third of our clients to fill it out. And so as they're coming in for quarterly meetings, and this is brilliant, this guy set up an iPad in his uh, lobby, Jack, and the receptionist knew which people had completed the survey and which hadn't. And they would say something like, hey, Jack's just finished up with a client. We'd sent you a survey out on a topic that's really important for us to understand how our clients feel. Would you mind taking a few minutes to complete the survey? It's only six questions. And guess what? On the iPad, they did it right there and sent it in. So the advisor, before they walk in, knows what, how they think about this particular topic. Now, we happen to be using the survey for long-term care, of course. You could use that concept for anything. But the point that this guy innovated and he said, hey, look, just because you know on email, you only get a certain percentage, even if they're your own clients to open up the email, doesn't it make sense? to get the rest of them when they're there in your office doing a quarterly or annual meeting. I thought that was brilliant. That might be something that can help uh, your your listening audience as they probably try to implement some of these strategies. That's a great point. And it really highlights the fact that we need to be asking our clients, 
how they would like uh, to be served, how they would like to be surveyed, how they would like to share their insights. Great research came out earlier this month talking about, again, this client experience notion and the fact how across different generations, how people want to communicate vary. When you get to Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, they skew a lot more digital. When you get to uh, folks who are boomers and, and the silent generation, they're not so much digitally oriented. An email survey may work for one generation, but not for another. And so one of the questions you want to ask your people in building that client experience is to make sure that you're asking them, how do they want to receive their information? How do they want to be talked to? What's changed around the tools we have to help people with asset-based long-term care and and long-term care needs, healthcare needs in, in the last few years? What's changed? Yeah, in terms of the tools we have, there are several carriers that have uh, created products that are very useful as you discuss the Pension Protection Act. And I know you and I have talked about this offline before, but it's probably the best nugget out there. The government, one year before the first baby boomer turned 65, and that was Kathy Casey Kirchling, that happened down in South Florida on January 1st of 2011. Congress on January 1st of 2010 must have recognized what was going to happen. We got 10,000 baby boomers turn 65 each and every day. They said, what if we were to give them a tax incentive to plan ahead? What they did, Jack, with the Pension Protection Act is they said, what we will allow people to do is to take money out of a non-qualified annuity or cash value in a life insurance policy and exchange it through IRS 1035 When the money shows up at the new annuity carrier, as long as the new annuity complies with the Pension Protection Act, then all the money plus any gains plus any leverage we would get from the underwriting process would get to come out tax-free. When you say, you know, what's changed recently, that law, heck, that's 12 years old. But what's happened over the last six or seven, eight years is there's a couple of, of companies, and I know you guys do a great big job at this, identifying those those situations where that makes sense. So what we're seeing is a shift f- from people saying, look, if I got sick, and, and this is one of the questions I would be asking people, look, if I got sick, where do I want my care? Again, 89% of the people say at home, which asset are you going to liquidate first? If they say they're non-qualified annuity, guess what? The advisor needs to understand the Pension Protection Act because that allows them this amazing tool. And again, that most advisors uh, know little or, or, or nothing about at this point. So that's something that's changed. The other thing that's changed over, let's say, the last 10 years is the ability to use IRA money to solve this problem. That is a big deal because if you think about it, the roughly 17 trillion of qualified money that's out there is in the hands of the baby boomers. So more times than not, if you surveyed your client, you say, hey, what asset would you use right now? You don't have a plan. They're going to say IRA. Our third and final question, and this is one of those small hinges that I spoke of earlier, Jack, the the third and final question should be, look, you said you were going to use your IRA. If I could show you a better way to use your IRA, is that something we should take a look at? 
if your listeners just use those three questions, believe it or not, they'll have a small breakthrough for sure on the long-term care side of things. What I hear you saying is that folks, if, if they're thinking about the IRA as the asset pool they're going to use to fund their healthcare needs, that converting chunks of that today into an asset-based long-term care annuity <clears throat> would be good leverage for them. Is that what you're saying? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah, to the extent with, with a couple of scenarios where it can be unlimited coverage. So it almost gets to the point where the clients are a little bit skeptical because it looks too good to be true. And so the response to that is, wait a second, come on, Jack, you're pulling my leg. You say, look, it's not your money that gets you this, it's your health. So we really need to be doing this while you're in your 50s or 60s, because that's when people are going to have the you know, the best health as they're into retirement years. Not that you can't write easy strategies in their 70s or 80s, but from an underwriting perspective, it's a little bit more challenging. If I'm talking to a high net worth family about this and they answer all the questions, yeah, I, I want to stay at home. I don't want to go to a nursing home and I've got assets. Maybe they're in annuities, maybe they're in IRAs or whatever. What are the biggest myths you run into that high net worth families have about their health care? I don't know it's so much a myth or something that they actually feel, but advisors convince themselves that if the client's got a million dollars, two million, three million. What we learned through a recent study, and this is a Motley Fool study uh, done in January of 2022, was that actually the wealthy older Americans actually do worry about long-term uh, care. That just solidifies the study that was done by the Age Wave Lab a year or so ago, where they said that the baby boomers were concerned about two things. Number one, outliving their uh, money during retirement. And the second thing is what happens if I get sick? How am I going to pay for my care? But yet most of us, most advisors just talk about distribution during retirement. They don't talk about that piece. So this recent study that was done in January of this year uh, of well-off older adults, and those are a million to $3 million. So I'll call that mass affluent. 47% of them, Jack, said they were worried about becoming a burden to their loved ones in old age. But then when asked, you know, uh, they dug in a little bit further, they said, yeah, 71% of that group said, but even though we worried about being a burden, we'd still like an option to rely on those same people to provide the care as needed. But we wouldn't want to do that unless there was a way we could pay our loved ones for caring for us. Guess what? We actually have asset-based long-term care plans that allow for friends and family to care for you. If you're listening to this podcast and you work with the mass affluent, you are missing the boat if you're not having this conversation with them because they're thinking about it. I mean, you know, these national surveys aren't wrong. So <laughs> my recommendation would be to survey your clients because that's the easiest way to figure out what their thought process is. That's great advice. As we start to wrap up, what are two or three things that Don Quante does outside of work that would surprise people? Boy. <laughs> That was a quest I wasn't prepared for. You know, I spent a lot of time with my one particular granddaughter because my daughter is a single mom and she lives with us. So they might be surprised that at 60 years old, I am co-parenting a four and a half year old and having the time of my life. Uh, and quite <laughs> frankly, 
I don't know if there's a, a second or a third thing because that takes up all the time, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great to know. All right. Cool. Thank you very much, Don. Uh, I think our, our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of this. So on behalf of InsureMark, uh, I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today for the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. Um, you can catch up on everything that Don is doing by contacting your advisor development consultant at InsureMark, and they'll be happy to share the latest things that he's published, that he's recorded, and the latest trainings that he's making available. So thank you all very much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of InsureMark. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. 